Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech had a bye week. Robbie, how you feeling? I've had a few beers, but uh, not too many. I'm on vacation this week, so I am holed up in a basement um, here with one of my good friends staring at me while I uh, attempt to, to make this recording uh, kind of not be not be terrible. But I, I'm here, we hit record, and we're, we're going from there just like we always do. Yeah, I appreciate you doing this podcast from vacation. It is the middle of the day on Monday, so a little bit of a different feel to our normal podcast, but Robbie's still drinking. I, I unfortunately am in the middle of my work day, so I am not drinking today, but Robbie's going to cover it for both of us. Why don't you give us a cheers? Um, how about uh, cheers to the, I guess, uh, good weather here. I'm in I'm in North Carolina, so I'm in enemy territory is the, probably the best that I can say at a, at a beach house. Um, and, uh, I th- hopefully it was a good summer for everybody. And that's, that's kind of all I got is, you know, I hope, uh, everybody wound up, uh, having, you know, a, a nice time and we'll get into true football weather here sooner than not. And I'll do my best to try and scout things from, um, from down here in, in North Carolina and, and see what the feel is for this game coming up. Cheers. I am <clears throat> drinking water right now out of a, a Whitlow's on Wilson plastic mug. So at least I'm, I'm keeping the vibe alive of the drinking vibe here. A couple of news and notes before we dive into Duke. The Jerry Kill press conference was today. He was introduced. Nothing too much to take from that. We gave our last uh, – on our last podcast, we gave our impressions of the Jerry Kill hire. And go back to listen to that if you didn't hear it. But, yeah, we're excited to have Coach Kill on staff. We'll see if he has any effect on us going into the Duke game. On the injury front, we are hoping to get TJ Jackson, Zach Hoyt, Garbett, and Hazleton all back this week. I don't know if we'll get all four. It would be a huge bonus to get all of them. I think most importantly, we need those offensive linemen back. Yeah, I mean, that depth, I mean, we talked about it. it it's been kind of swapping things in and out, so I think that would be uh, a big pickup if they can come back. Uh, in addition to that, they're – Throughout the week, if how closely you follow the team, there was a bunch about uh, Willis and Hooker and just kind of injuries. Most people probably saw Hooker coming off the field with the the shoulder injury uh, that didn't didn't look great. Um, I'm not not sure where that stands right now, but either way, we're starting to get a little bit dinged up as we uh, typically do. So um, hope those guys are all clear and, and and ready to go for for the game coming up. Yeah, did did you mention about Willis being nicked up too, or just Hooker? Yeah, both of them. Um, and yeah. Willis had actually two injuries. It looked like one might have yeah. been a hamstring, and then a shoulder, and then I think Hooker was just a shoulder, if I have that right. Yeah, so let's hope that Willis is good to go because if there was any game that you'd want Willis, I think it would be this Duke game because last year he was able to pick them apart a bit. And so everyone always wants to see the backup quarterback when the starter is struggling, right? But this is one of the few games I think where I definitely wouldn't want to see the backups. Like I want Willis out there playing well. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Next thing, drive for 25 coming up at the end of the month. Don't need to go into that any further. Did that again in the last podcast. And the pick them. Two guys got 12 out of 15 picks right this week. That is very impressive. That was Jack Fendrick and Johnny N. Sam B is still in first. 29 of 45 picks correct for him through the first three weeks. Yeah. I mean, dude should just like go build like a that's retirement home type picks right there i mean you you don't have to do much else uh and uh i will let everybody know that i did get my picks in this week so i i and i did fill them out as i was entering them and i went back and i just stuck with it and uh yeah yeah so i i still can't get over 500 man i had i was at seven correct picks again this week obviously it's 15 so I am struggling. I'm in like 42nd place, but the the thing is, I've picked the picks all the weeks, and there's been a lot of people who haven't, so most of the people behind me have had a complete offer, and I've actually picked every week, and I'm still struggling, so not a great start to those picks, though in my actual money picks, I did go six out of nine this past week, Uh, so I'm kind of in between right now. I'd say overall for the season, I'm about 500, 
but on our on our personal picks, I think I'm I'm definitely under. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting destroyed in actual betting, and uh, I told you I had I had the Notre Dame money line, which they were so close. It almost to came do. through, man, dude. They had a like what the 35 with one minute left, and uh, down by six, and I thought it was going to happen, but I'm toxic this uh, this year in terms of my betting. It everything that could possibly like not it's not even go bad just not go right for me so um uh, it's gonna be a rough year that's what happened to me last year we i got through september i was losing money every week and i don't put that much money down on bets but i wasn't winning and so the notre dame virginia tech game was the first week of october i want to say and tech was plus six so i was like you know what I, i really like tech i might have put 50 bucks down on them to cover the spread i didn't actually think we'd beat notre dame but we did not beat Notre Dame when we got blown out. And I just shut down the money bets for the rest of the year. I'm like, I do not have a feel for this this year. That's it for me. I'll come back next year. And I've been okay this year. So Yeah, that's what I'm going to have to do is just turn, the, turn that faucet off at this point. <laughs> so around college football, there were some interesting results. We had UNC losing to Appalachian State. Appalachian State, sorry. Let me correct that for our pronunciation cops out there. Uh, UVA struggled with Old Dominion. Miami struggled with Central Michigan, but then you had Pitt beating UCF, which I never saw coming. No, that high-powered offense. UCF's offense, you can say anything you want about the team and the fan base and the whole national championship, but I I didn't see that at all. Like I I really thought UCF was going to take that out early, get up by like 14 and then just kind of like run it to the finish is what I And expected. they were winning by 10 for parts of that game and I was like, "Oh, they're they're going to cover this." And and we know Pitt can pit you, right? But that's usually in the conference games or against Notre Dame. That's where Pitt is like very dangerous. When they play the out-of-conference teams, like remember when Oklahoma State went there a few years ago, they were two touchdown favorites over Pitt, and they destroyed them. Yeah. So I was thinking it was going to be the same thing with UCF. And honestly, thank God, because the ACC is taking it on the chin right now. So that Pitt win might be our best win of anyone out of conference. Yeah, I mean, I joked on, on Twitter, it's the... <laughs> The ACC is trash narrative has more than jumped the shark at this point. Like we get it, and uh, and I was joking that you, know, you if you want a real story and really get into something that's unique, just talk about like the fans and you know liver enzyme counts for the teams that are uh, that are struggling so mightily this year. It's 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 actually everything that we thought that this you know this schedule would line up to be except we thought Virginia Tech might be better, and that didn't right. come to fruition. <laughs> I do think that UVA ODU thing was let down from the FSU win, which was big for UVA, and now they have Notre Dame next week. So I do think it was this in-between game against a team, let's face it, that you can lose focus against, <laughs> and uh, and that's what happened. I, I think UVA could be a strong play against – Notre Dame this week against the spread, and we'll get to that a little bit later. We had Wisconsin killing Michigan also. Notre Dame, they hung with UGA, but they ended up losing. And Auburn kind of squashed AM. That was, if you want to go around college football, I'd say that's about it in terms of the big results. But that Wisconsin thing, uh, they them and Ohio State, that is going to be a slugfest if those two get to the to the final game in the Big Ten Championship. They are, I mean, they just destroyed Michigan. I know it looked a bit closer, but they, they really wasn't. It, it, Wisconsin is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of true to Hokies in, in a lot of respects of like old Virginia Tech football. That's what we talk about. It's just, you know, we're going to line it up. They did what Michigan claims that they can do is just like, you know, have a good like kind of run offense and decent defense um, to really just shut it down. And, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I didn't. I I thought that they would win that game, but I didn't expect by that much. And Wisconsin looks really good. Like they are a playoff contender, no doubt. And it's really going to come down to what happens with Ohio, Ohio State for them. They started their season with ten quarters of shutout, and honestly, the, the end of the Michigan game was was pointless. I mean, they could have they could have kept going on on Michigan in that game. It was thirty five nothing, I think, before Michigan scored. Yeah. And it could have been worse. So 
yeah, Wisconsin is kind of blowing me away, especially after the the down year last year for their standards. It's it's going to be fun to see how they they turn out in the Big Ten. I don't know if they can beat Ohio State and get to the playoff, but I'm fascinated by that by that team. Let's hop into Duke. 7 p.m. on Friday night. It's on ESPN, correct? This is a this is a big national game for us. <laughs> it's it's about as national as we're going to get. I mean, other than Notre Dame, uh, and that has to be uh, you know previewed on uh, on a channel given their their rights agreement. So uh, this is this is uh, uh, it's a Friday night game, and Friday night games get weird sometimes. So that's about all you can they say. Do. <laughs> that's what that's what happened with USC and Utah. It it, it got weird, and. It, I'm excited about the game. You know, there's been so much negativity in the first three weeks. Even in our wins, there's been a lot of negativity, some by us. And something is starting in my brain to shift back towards I playing teams where it's an even matchup or we're underdogs or at least like not expected to win by everyone. I think that could benefit this team quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more. It's it's you know we 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 talked about it in the past and we'll continue to talk about it but like when you're playing on your heels and you're in your own head and you know the mentality is yeah we can't lose this game versus like let's go win this game those are just they're not the same thing and i think it'll i honestly do and i agree with you that it, i think we're going to see that I hope we'll see that on on Friday night, and I think we'll see that, but you know we'll get into the details on it here shortly. For sure. Last year, Duke was eight and five. They were three and five in the ACC, so they won all of their out of conference games. And this run that Cutcliffe has put together there of winning records five out of their last six years, six of seven years into a bowl, that's more than the previous sixty five years at Duke. Over the last seven seasons, they've averaged 7.4 wins, which I put out on Twitter is only 0.3 less than us. We've won 7.7 per year over that span. They've won 7.4. So they're essentially dead even with us in terms of win totals the last few years. And whenever you go up against Cutcliffe, you're going to be nervous. (laughs) Yeah, he's well-regarded throughout the coaching community. I mean, I've never... It's hard to get through any kind of major media podcast that covers college football and not have Cutcliffe's name eventually come up as one of the most respected coaches really across the country in terms of you know doing things the right way, the way that he trains up his players, the way that they punch you know above their weight class. I, I, I hate to love on an opponent that we're about to face, but. The guy is, I mean, he's pretty phenomenal. And what he's done at a program that was, you know, they were the Virginia Tech of basketball for like, you know, a a long period of time. You know what I mean? And when we were... They were winning like one or two games a year, every year. Yeah. And to come in and turn that around. And he's also turned it around with not the best talent from like a recruiting stars, uh, you know, standpoint, mm-hmm. he's done it through development and good coaching. And that's, that's, that's rare. That's, you know, you look at, you know, t- other teams that have done that and it's hard to like kind of compare them to anybody else. Maybe like Kansas state, I guess you could go there and, but they did it a lot through like Juco transfers and stuff like that. He's just done it kind of naturally from the, you know, the, the roots up. He did it like UVA is currently doing it, you know, just going out, recruiting players for their system, whatever, and slowly but surely building it notch by notch. And now Duke's roster, I think it's like 44th in the talent composite. Like that's pretty good, you know, for Duke. It's, it's, uh, it's in the top 50, you know, the last few years. And it was nowhere near that when he got there. So he's raised their talent level and he has great schemes. Um, losing assistance all the time and yet just replacing them and staying steady. This year, Duke is 2-1. and one. They lost to Alabama, no shame in that. They beat NC A&T and they beat Middle Tennessee State at Middle Tennessee State. Not a great opponent, but still going on the road and getting a win in any capacity is nice, and, and they beat them down. Their projected S&P coming into the year was 65th. Uh, their S&P plus currently is 60th, so they're not underperforming or overperforming their expectations they're about right there and and it's still early for s&p plus but 
it, just for a frame re- reference. And then you have Sagarin, which has Duke at 51. <laughs> We're 69th in Sagarin. Other than that being nice, uh, <laughs> Sagarin, uh, it's not favorable for the Hokies in this one. I mean, it, Duke is, if you go by that, Duke should be just about favored or a pick em. Um, so they're, they're a good team. They're, they're solid and they've been banged up too. They're off on offense in particular. They've lost a lot of receivers, but somehow they're still managing to move the football, uh, you know, against the, I mean, no one moves the football in Bama, so they only scored three points, whatever. They've put up some points in the last two games. Yeah. And I would even say in that Bama game, I mean, the, it's kind of when you're playing Alabama and that talent, it's how long you can keep your finger in the dam before just kind of and they did I mean that was a low scoring game to start off and there's no points won for losses right but against an Alabama team that is looks really really good they came out and they they put up a fight early on and I'll tell you what we're we're not Alabama so that even that loss it might have been a three-point game but I think it was 10 to 3 almost like a good way into the the portion of the game they held it off and then of course the dam's eventually going to break there they held alabama to zero points in the first quarter which that in and of itself i just think should be commended because everyone thought that was going to be a slaughter and to be fair bama did cover the spread however new quarterback brand new wide receivers banged up running backs and, you know, I, I don't think anyone would consider that a uh, shameful for performance, what they did that first weekend. That being said, we don't know a lot about this Duke team. I mean, you play Bama, you don't expect much, and then you play a Middle Tennessee State team and NCA&T. This, there's so many unknowns. So, yeah, Quinn Harris, their quarterback, he's 72% completion, eight touchdowns, two picks. But, like, what does that even mean? Because against Bama, he had no touchdowns and and both of those interceptions. So it's very much a mystery. I, I do think the quarterback is playing well, and you can get into that a little bit more. Dual threat, his throwing was the question mark coming into the year. We always knew he could run. Yeah, and I think the weird part is is that his stats in the pass game have exceeded what his stats in the rush game are. So like we always knew he had legs on him, but his his completion percentage at 72 his his ratings like 160 he's got only two interceptions he's only taken one sack which i think is also really meaningful for the game coming up against us is and 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 more on on both sides it's meaningful for our us and the ability to create pressure um which has been kind of wishy-washy at best uh throughout the year but He's, he's slinging the ball actually relatively well, understanding the competition that he's going up against. Yeah, he was nearly perfect in that Middle Tennessee State game. 24 of 27, four touchdowns. I think his rating was like 200-something. He's got an 80.8 QBR on the year, which does supposedly factor in for opponent. So that's amazing. Ryan Willis's QBR is in the dumper, man. He's at 41. It's like... If you went through all the qualified and unqualified QBs, he's like over 130th in the country, Ryan Willis is right now. So Quentin Harris, from an efficiency perspective, has had a much better start to the season than Ryan Willis. And uh, I know I was saying Willis was really good against Duke, but he, he's going to have to change what we've seen so far to uh, to prove that again. In the run game, Duke has Deion Jackson He's been carrying the load because both Britton Brown and Marvin Hubbard have been banged up. Uh, Britton Brown, he had 700 yards back in 2017 and was their lead guy, looked dangerous. But this year, it's all about Deion Jackson. He's six foot, 215, a little bit of a bigger back, 3.9 yards per carry, just one touchdown, but five receptions, so he's getting more than a reception a game. Mateo Durant, another guy who's catching the ball out of the backfield for them, he's got 93 yards and 3.6 yards per carry. So not great averages or really super dynamic backs, but Duke always has solid backs and and some people you have to respect. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, Deion Jackson, you mentioned at 3.9, a carry it. 
it I, it hasn't been as impressive that maybe I probably thought it would have been with the threat of Quentin Harris this year. Uh, it's probably and I they definitely have been banged up and that's caused a, a lot of problems. Overall, I think they're at like four and a half yards. It's not bad. I mean, heck, look at Virginia Tech right now, but it hasn't been what what we thought it be, would be. And honestly, with dinged up wide receivers as well, the past games looked a lot better than I would have probably expected going into yeah. this game. They lost their three top receivers uh, from last year, and that was T.J. Ramming. You remember, everyone remembers him, Taylor and Jonathan Lloyd. They're all gone. They're relying on freshman Jalen Calhoun. He's got 15 receptions for uh, 153 yards, two touchdowns. He's a smaller slot guy, so he's going to be your wide receiver leader in receptions. But their tight end actually leads them in receptions with 16. And that's a new guy, too, because Helm and Coppenhaver are gone. So Noah Gray leads the team, 16 receptions, 122. Aaron Young's the senior who is uh, – he's kind of emerging. 10 receptions, 137 yards, and two touchdowns for him. Harris and him kind of have a rapport because they've been backups their entire career at Duke, and now they're getting to start and play. So I think Young could have an, an impact in this game, and I think Calhoun will get his catches. But they don't scare me. The thing that scares me the most is this offensive line has been way better than I, than I thought it would. They've only given up one sack, and that was to Alabama, so not shocking there, but just one sack in three games. They're number one in the country in tackles for loss allowed per game. They've only given up seven tackles for loss the entire season. So that's a little shocking to me. And and it's not really that much of a veteran offensive line. There's a couple freshmen on there, I think. So they, they've been good, and I hope our D-line can maybe expose them in ways other teams haven't. But if Bama really didn't do it, I don't know if we're going to do it. Yeah, I was about to say, it's one sack allowed on the season, and their first game was against Alabama. It's... Yeah context is always important for these things it's like if you gave an over under on sacks you know allowed just in the alabama game uh, kick off the year you're probably at like three maybe four at least and they've allowed one on the season i mean that is a testament to a well-coached not that experienced offensive line to your point yeah overall on offense i'd say the offensive line and the QB Harris are going to make this thing go. Just okay receiving options, decent running backs, but no truly elite talent or playmakers this year. Can Harris keep the hot start going is the question. I think Waller and Farley are poised to maybe shut him down a bit. Uh, Their underneath game is going to be interesting. I want to see how well Dax has if he has to go into coverage how he plays and that, that concerns me maybe we see a little bit more Tisdale on this game to to combat Jalen Calhoun uh but I I like the matchup for our defense I think the running of Harris is a concern it, it always is when you go up against a guy who's got good legs uh you're worried but against ODU a quarterback who had legs and against Furman another guy we were very scared of in Granger we did pretty well so if we can just limit Harris, I think this defense will show out and give our offense a chance. Yeah, and the weird part is it's always these games where like we start to see some cons- consistency in the defense, and I'm not going to be a naysayer here, but then like things go bad, and we're like, oh, man, how the heck did that happen, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, things are trending up. Um so I will say I'm a little bit more worried in this game, and that's probably from just you know taking licks over the past few seasons and, and seeing when things start kind of trending nicely, and we're like, oh, you know, guess what? We're we're containing well, like, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the the things Harris just goes for like you know 150 on the ground, and right. really life becomes bad. So I'm a little bit, um, I'm not negative on it. I'm just hesitant to 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 get and it. you have to to counter that though you have pointed out how well the contain has been from the d-line better than you expected well better than i expected so i i if we see it in this game with quentin harris he, he is talented absolutely and i think i will feel very confident going into with them that position group going into the rest of the season if we can do it in this duke game all right let's do a beer break before we move over to defense Robbie, what are you drinking over there? 
Uh, I am drinking the new Belgium, uh, the Hemper uh, IPA. Uh, it's 7%. It's an HPA. Um, uh, obviously, it has hemp in it. Uh, and I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I know. I have never heard of it. It showed up in the... We have a lot of people in this house right now. So people are picking up beers from, from everywhere. And somebody picked this up. I'm not, and I've always said on the podcast, I've been pretty consistent. I'm not a big fan of New Belgium. I just haven't been. Like the Ranger, like IPA that a lot of people drank was is never really kind of done it for me. This beer's no different. It's just it's so kind of West Coasty. It just doesn't it doesn't fit my palate whatsoever. And uh, yeah, you're not a West Coast IPA guy, really. No, like no. It's just like the Green Flash. I liked like they had that double IPA yeah. that I was like a big fan of, and then Green Flash went out of business, so <laughs> that ended quickly. So uh, yeah, I I do tend to stick more to kind of the Central or 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 East Coast IPA styles. I am not drinking, as I said before, and it's a little sad, but that's okay. I'll get back to drinking next week, and I think next week will be our pumpkin beer episode. Nice. Uh, because we, we it's October, right? Next week is October, and we'll have the Miami game to preview, and we'll be recapping this Duke game, and I think it's time for some pumpkin beer. I went out and purchased some just so I can have it, because the crazy thing about the pumpkin beer is it hits the shelves September 1st or whatever, and by the time October rolls around, a lot of the good stuff has been bought up. So I went out and I, I grabbed a few to at least store for uh, for next month. I did sample a couple early here, but um, but yeah, next week will be fun. We'll do our pumpkin beer episode with the Miami preview. All right, let's hop into the defense. This defense from Duke is some. It's a group that I thought would be better this year than they were last year, and the secondary maybe not so much, but their line brought back just about everyone, and. They were kind of a fierce but young group last year, and now they're deep and they're experienced. And when you put that up against our run game, which is our weakness, it makes me very scared, man. I know, and especially since their stats haven't been all that great for the D-line. So this game is going to be extremely telling. I mean, I'm looking through it, and the first person on their line that really pops up, not not linebackers, like the front, is like number nine in tackles for the team. It's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't marry up, I guess, to what we thought going into this season. Like it's actually been their, their back seven that's performed a lot better. And that's very counter to what, you know, I, at least I thought. And when we did our original preview of the, the season. Yeah. Duke runs that four, two, five, and they do a lot of press coverage and they're aggressive. So a lot of the, Big tackle numbers are coming from the secondary. Singleton in the back, he's averaging 9.33 tackles per game. A bunch of the other DBs are racking up the tackle numbers. But across the line, you're right. It's it's You're not seeing the numbers from Hornbuckle quite yet. Rumpf does have 4.5 tackles for loss. And he's only a sophomore. That Rumpf kid is going to be really freaking good. Um, and But you've got McSwain, who's a senior. Tangelo, we know that name. Drew Jordan. Uh <laughs> Dim you Keche. I I can't even start with this guy Victor on the, Demec- the junior Victor Demec- Demec- <laughs> Let's just call it that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea, but he's been around for a long time too. And they have another senior, Serenold, playing defensive tackle. It's it's a veteran group, like I said, twenty two tackles for loss in the year. That is one more than the Virginia Tech defense has uh, as a defense. So they're still getting in the backfield a little bit here. And they're maintaining that line. I don't know how we're going to get loose. When you looked at what Bama did on the ground, 3.45 yards a carry against Duke. What what does that mean for us? Yeah, not well, it means that uh, King better be the you know the savior that we all think that he he might be. Uh, on top of that, the one thing I did notice was. I don't think they have a single interception on the year. Not one. Um, no. I'm pretty sure. So. Listen, and and this is probably I may have just jinxed us pretty badly, but I mean that sets up well. We've been shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, the, the first play of the game, I think the last two games was a false start. 
uh, for us. <laughs> I'm almost positive that I know it was in the last game because I almost yeah. I almost launched a remote across the you know the house. Uh, but there's just a lot of kind of sloppiness and. It hasn't always transpired the same way. You had like the pass to Grimsley that gets tipped and then like gets picked off. Like it's just so much weirdness. I'm hopeful that in the past game against this defense that we might be able to, you know, play some more center of the field, some underneath routes and, and actually make something happen against this team. The run game. I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's just going to depend on King and what he can do because that that's King or then some of the kind of the sweeps uh, from like Mitchell, Trey Turner running the ball, which I thought was interesting if we bring that out. But they just saw that like they're going to be prepared for it in this game. They are. I do think because of the loss of Giles Harris and Ben Humphreys at linebacker, that's the only thing that makes me think our running game has a chance. And I do think although we get a little bit tired of like jet sweep you or whatever, we're like making fun of ourselves. That could be effective in this game. They don't have the linebacker talent or depth that they're, they've had the last three years. So that is a major benefit for us. I mean, those two linebackers, Humphreys and Giles Harris, they're two of the best to ever come through Duke. They, they were phenomenal, phenomenal players. So that's awesome. The, Kwanzaa is good. Hill, he's almost at five tackles per game. Shaka Howard's a freshman. They just don't have the depth there in the middle of the defense. So I, I'm hoping that's... We're not going up the middle on this team. I, I just and let's we haven't done that really against much of anyone. So it's definitely not going to happen here. We're going to have to get creative. We're going to have to use short passes as an extension of the run game, things like that. Uh, as for just to finish it out, the DBs lost Jeremy McDuffie. That's real nice for us. Uh, Singleton is playing at a high level. I mentioned him. Michael Carter, Josh Blackwell, Leonard Johnson. These are guys that are getting older in the system and they're they're solid uh but right now duke is 106th in opposing qb rating so they're they're not playing very well on the back end right now uh and we need to take advantage of that uh, obviously they're better against the run but that that is they're susceptible we need willis to play like he did last year that was our best win last year other than uva and if you want to just go by the performance as a 60 minute performance it was our best game yeah, and I think I, I and to bring it full circle, I think having an opponent right now where everybody's going to be circling this game in the sense that it's like, oh, Virginia Tech's about to take their second loss in the ACC Coastal, and you know it's going to be you know uh, or the ACC, I guess BC obviously being on the Atlantic side, but uh, I think this. Is, is probably the motivation for them to get up and for, especially for Ryan Willis to just say, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get back to throwing the ball a little bit deeper. Hopefully they do that because it's it's looked a little Jekyll and Hyde, especially game 1, 2 and 3. We talked about this on the last podcast podcast to go deep and try and attack that secondary. Uh, let Trey Turner, if Hazleton comes back, that would be awesome. Um, just let let these guys kind of eat. Robinson can you know show up again and, and, and do his thing, and he's, he's maturing every week. I think that, to your point, it's a great opportunity for us to, to go after that, that secondary and hopefully expose them. Right after the Furman game, you asked me what's going to happen in this game. I'm like... No matter what the line is, take Duke. You know, it would if we're favored at all, take Duke. Duke's probably going to win outright. As the week's gone on, I like to, you know, as, as Don V would say, tell myself the lies, you know, <laughs> that it's going to be different this time. And I don't know why I'm believing that. I don't know why I'm starting to become more optimistic. But maybe it's because I just really thought we'd lose to Furman and that we were dead in the water in that game. And it, it's, if that was last year, we'd lose that Furman game. That 100%. And the team didn't quit, and they turned it around, and they won, and the defense played solid pretty much the entire time. Maybe it's uh, Jerry Kill getting hired. Maybe it's the the line movement even. I, I, I don't know. Um, something gives me a feeling that we're going to keep it low scoring but somehow come away with the win. Yeah, I think uh, you know. You said that the line started at you were caught, you were watching seven. Yeah, and it was half. minus seven. Seven. Yeah, and moved was, to two and, and a half. Then, all the- yeah, it's two and a half now. Virginia Tech is the favorite. 
yeah, I mean, I I feel more confident in this game and the team right now, especially since they got a they got a win. Granted, we all know who the opponent was, but they got a win and felt like it came off as a loss. Uh, I think they're probably going to be pretty pretty frustrated. I could see more penalties in the game for Virginia Tech now out of frustration, but I think their overall it'll come out of effort if that makes sense. Like it'll come out of aggressiveness. It'll come out of them being, you know, trying to prove a point. So, I'm a little bit worried about that piece of it, but overall, I I feel pretty good about about this game and um we'll see how how it transpires. I think I feel the best about the under 53 points score total. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you what do you think? If you had to predict a final score, do you think that both of these teams are going to score 25 points? No, this is if I had to if you were like, "Hey, you know, you're at the roulette table and you got to pick a number. I'd probably go like 24-17 is yeah. probably is how I would guess this game playing out. Like that that seems like the right number. Now, it may get reversed and it might be, you know, 17-24, which would be unfortunate for us, but that's how I, I would kind of think it it plays out. Fuente is 3 and 0 against Duke. Uh Last year was the game after ODU, and that was another point where the team could have quit or we could have gone down there and lost. Duke was ranked. I don't know if people remember that, but Duke was ranked when we went to North Carolina last year, and we we pretty much smoked him. And I, I don't know if Fuente just has a knack against Cutcliffe. You know how he doesn't have a knack against Georgia Tech and some other teams. But for whatever reason, we've we've managed to play Duke well the last few years. But I think we're going to struggle to run the ball, and points are going to be at a premium. We're going to need to not have no turnovers, but we're going to have to tie the turnover mark. We cannot go in debt on turnovers in this game. So whether if we do throw a pick or have a fumble, we need to get one or two back. Because uh, if we lose a turnover battle, we're not winning this game. Uh, and, and to say that Tech won't have any turnovers, that's just unlikely. I mean, let's let's face it, that's unlikely. So... I I like Tech to win. I let me tell you something. I don't know why. I just have this feeling. Uh, it's it's one of those games where it, everyone is crapping on us. Every you know everyone's crapping on the ACC, and particularly why is Virginia Tech not good? Fuente is not developing his players. He's a, a dead man walking. And I think, like I said at the beginning, playing a team where the pressure's a little bit off. Uh, would would be great for this young Virginia Tech squad. Brian Marcolini hinted at it in his article he put out on the key play this week about fear. And it was just all about what we're talking. I, I recommend you read it. But that we've just been playing tight. And, you you know, we're supposed to win. And, and the guys get all tensed up. And they just, the fans can feel it. And the players can feel it. And a loud Friday night crowd against a team that, you know, people are not picking you to win. That is going to be good for this team. Yeah, I mean, I've like he wrote it the article is honestly it's perfect and articulates it like mm-hmm. well better than i've said but i've said that for for a while like when you play tight like i i think of it that on the podcast like when you start playing tight and 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 i've said this too like if willis is if you're only thinking about the turnovers and you're only thinking about what can go wrong, like I, I, I joked on the key play and I responded, it's like, you know, I, I, the analogy I had was like golf. If you look at the water on your approach shot, you're going to hit it in the water and then you're going to actually think that you were always going to hit it in the water. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like sports psychology is a real thing and that's why people pay lots and lots of money to have their athletes and their coaches like educated in it because you got to switch your mentality. And I think a game where it starts to look like you're not playing not to lose, you're playing to win and beat a team. Uh, I think it's going to flip the script on, on this Virginia tech team and give them a mentality that they haven't really had this season and BC was the first game of the year, right? So you don't really have time to develop that. And the team's still trying to coalesce. With regard to the line, the betting line here, it did open at seven. Like, like we mentioned quickly moved to two and a half. That 
also, I, I, that's just weird that it would open at seven. And that big of an open with how poorly we've played and how decent Duke has looked, that kind of that's one reason I felt a little bit more optimistic too. I know it's not never good when your line jumps away from you like that so quickly. Usually, like that, if that happens, you it kind of makes you nervous. But I'm interested to see where it settles because it'll probably be around three. I don't think it's going. I wouldn't expect it to go any closer to zero. I, I would expect it to stay around two and a half. Uh, but the fact that it even opened at seven, I think for some reason, it, it's like begging for Duke money. Yeah. And that is is weird for me. I mean, I think the money got so he- it, the me- the money got so heavy, like on one side that they had to push that thing. Like that is a huge, huge swing for to go from seven to two and a half. And we, we follow lines pretty closely, just personally, and then for the the podcast as well. I I tend to I tend to agree with you. Like I think they try to swing it to get more money, um, and I think they probably. Vegas is going to make a killing off this game. I think Virginia Tech is going to end up covering, and uh, a lot of people are going to be on the bad side of of that bet. All right, let's move to the other picks. It's so early in the week, because this is a day earlier than we normally record, that even our picks on our CBS pool like aren't up yet. Like the games, CBS hasn't even put them out yet. So I just went through and chose six games for us to pick, uh, and we're going to start with Clemson at UNC. It's not a, not the prettiest of games, but it's an ACC game, so that's why I put it on the list. Number one, Clemson going to Chapel Hill. Clemson is 26-point favorites. I'm going to take Clemson. After UNC lost to Appalachian State, I uh, UNC has turned into a pumpkin, I think, is what happened here. <laughs> yeah, I think the... Uh... <laughs> the the pumpkin carriage is probably the best analogy. It's we everybody jumped the shark on what they were and what their Mac Brown was going to do there. I'm going to take Clemson as well. I think their their motor is going to be difficult to gauge throughout the year and they're going to have to get themselves up for games that they know that they're going to win. Mm-hmm. But I I put this Look at what happened in the Ohio State game. Like that's how I think about the, these types of games. Is Ohio State goes and plays Miami of Ohio, not the same caliber whatsoever of UNC, but they know they have to start putting like real points on the board at some point yeah. for the playoff. Um, and you pick your opponents that you want to do it to, and. Going against UNC, I think Dabo's going to pick this game where he's like, "Yeah, we're going we're going to take the cover off this thing." Yeah, and and I think that they could win by twenty six points, maybe without even taking the cover off. <laughs> so, so we'll find out. Wake at BC. Wake is a seven point favorite. Oh, let me say that again. Undefeated Wake is a seven point favorite at BC. Uh, the same field that we lost on, but BC did get back on track. Big win over Rutgers this past weekend. Uh, it's just weird. I'm going to take BC against those seven points. Yeah, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Wake. I mean, they, they just look really good, and I get it. The bounce back, I think, is probably what's on your mind or in the back of your mind. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna yeah. go the opposite direction, and I think Wake might actually be like kind of sneaky good. I mean, it, well, like it was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke to start things, but they might actually be a decent team. Well, if you look at Wake's schedule too, they got BC on the road. And then they got three home games before they come to Tech. That's it. Both of their buys are in the next five weeks. So they only have four games before they come to Tech, and three of them are at home. And it's like NC State, Louisville, and Florida State. They're, they're all winnable games. Like There is a chance 8-0 Wake could be coming to Blacksburg. There's a chance. <laughs> Most likely it'll be 7-1 and one or 6-2, and two, but it's possible. That, that would be... Uh, <laughs> A, a blessing and a curse. Let's just leave it at that. Is that we're going up against a good ranked? They would be ranked at that point, like oh, pretty very yeah. well. Um, probably in the top. I think tw- they're number twenty six in the rankings. Yeah, right now. They, I think they're they're in the receiving. They groups. would be top twenty uh, going up against Wake at, at home. So we might actually, we might our schedule might actually be a little bit better by some stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I, I do think they have their hands full at BC, and it is the bounce back. BC has those Kansas stinker games. They do. Every year they have a stinker. Uh, 
I do, I do think Wake's a better overall team, but it doesn't mean that they might not win. It, nevertheless, BC to cover. Next game, UVA at ND. Number 18, Virginia going to number 10, Notre Dame. 11-point favorites are the Fighting Irish. I'm taking UVA. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's that's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I'll just take Notre Dame. We talked about this. I told you I had Notre Dame money line against mm-hmm. an amazing Georgia team who, who is so talented. And I, I, I know... Notre Dame was the better team for almost like three quarters of that game. Yeah. Like not, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. They were blowing through Georgia's line and no Georgia recruits. Well, they have Kirby's a great coach. They have athletes. Uh, and that all, that all said Notre Dame also, they went into the Grove and they had to, you know, you get up for those games, right? Like so yeah. sometimes you can outperform your ability in some respects, I, I got to go Notre Dame here. I think they can pull it out by 14. I think body blow is a factor. You know, that was an, a, a physical, emotional game, and the letdown is a factor. UVA trying to right the wrongs that they had when they were losing to ODU this past weekend. So I just I think they're going to keep it within 11, but we'll see. NC State at Florida State. Florida State is five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I do th- kind of think NC State stinks. And even though James Blackman might be done for a couple of weeks here, I think Hornerbrook covers that spread for FSU. Yeah. The line was a little bit weird for me. Like I, I thought I was going to see like a three point line on this game. Like five and a half is, is good. And to your point, uh, NC state, I'll just go just for the heck of it and go NC state to keep things frothy. <laughs> Number 21, USC, after their big victory over Utah, is going to number 17, Washington. Washington had a great game against BYU. They covered there. Washington is 10-point favorites in this one. It's a That's a big line, especially with the team as talented. I mean, that Pittman receiver for USC is a beast. Um, I'm going to take Washington at home to cover, but I'm probably going to end up regretting it. Nah, I'm taking Washington as well. I... I I gave it more thought, and USC. I I'm just not a believer yet. Like they just got to show more, and I know that you know that talent. You can't really go to the talent with USC because they're always going to have four and five stars like across the board, like every year. But doesn't mean that they do anything with it. The, the coaching is so inconsistent with USC. They're like week to week. Yeah, they can literally beat any team in the country just about. Uh, but they might just drop a dud when they go play BYU like they did a couple weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, Washington covers the 10 for me and you. Next game, number 12, Penn State at Maryland. I think this game's also on Friday night. And Penn State is six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. This is like a low-key rivalry. Like, these teams really don't like each other. And Maryland, you know, they had the disappointing game against Temple. Penn State... They kind of had a disappointing game against Pitt, but they did win. Um, I'm going to go Penn State to cover. They might end up covering by quite a bit, uh, but we we'll see. Uh, Penn State minus six and a half. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I think that's probably the safer of two bets. Uh, it's just Maryland. What the hell, man? Like you put up like almost seventy points one week, and then just you know get shut down by Temple's defense the next week. I'm going to go Maryland. I don't know. I think there's probably question marks on Penn State after that Pitt game, and that gave me a little bit of you know concern. Pitt is always going to Pitt. That's what they love doing. Right. And for that same reason, Maryland is going to Maryland, I think, in, in this game. And <laughs> it's so true, man. <laughs> it's so true. Well, you, yeah, you – you mentioned, you know, they score 70 points. They kill Syracuse, follow it up, of course, with a loss to Temple. And then Temple follows that up by losing to Buffalo. Yeah, it's so <laughs> like, bizarre. I've said and this now, season is just it's bonkers every week. And then Temple is playing, you know, Georgia Tech this week in the matchup of the old coach versus the new coach and everything. And Temple is heavy favorites. I think Georgia Tech's going to win that game outright. Like I think it's just going to continue to be bizarre, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Duke game for us this Friday, it's big. 
if you don't win, we're finishing in the bottom of the ACC. I mean, that's that's just how it's going to be. But with the way Miami played last week against Central Michigan, I'm taking back what I said about that game not being winnable. Like that Miami team has a long way to go. I I, I was scared off because of their defense, and and I'm still scared of their defense. But their quarterback, he he's good, but he's a freshman, and they're they're beatable. So if you win this Duke game, oh heck yeah, I can talk myself into beating Miami for sure. Uh, but if I just I'm so eager to see our performance this weekend, yeah, because. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, listen. We're all pissed off, right? Like everybody's like frustrated. But you go out, you get a W against Duke, if you do, right? And then you get a W against Miami, and you're four and one. Like, I mean, <laughs> that would like, be crazy, right? Like, <laughs> and we're all of us are ready to jump off a bridge at four and one, and you got to reset and be like, guess what? The coastal is not good, and the ACC yeah. is well, is bad um, to bring in. And you're not four and one either because you're probably five and one. Oh yeah, because yes, Rhode yes. Island's after that. Yeah. <laughs> so then you're probably five and one, and I don't even know what we would think. Like if we if we got on a podcast, like at, after being five and one with like how up and down that this yeah. whole thing has been, like I don't even know what I would say. I'd just be like, yeah, we're five and one. That's well, it. Here's my question to you. Is are the Duke and Miami games? Are they a package deal? You know, like are they? You win both or you lose both, and there's not an in between. Like that's that's kind of how I feel. A hundred percent, they're a package deal because, I, and I I said this. I think the last part, like I was waiting for Duke because that will show what this team can do. You could say whatever you want mm-hmm. about BC. It's the first game of the year, right? The team's developed. That's why you schedule cupcakes early on in the season. <laughs> that That is literally why teams do it, because your team needs time to develop and figure out what they're not good mistakes, at and make yeah. mistakes. So the first real game, and if you, if you don't want to get up and get excited, I don't know how you can't for this Friday night game against Duke – at least you know this is the first real time you're going to see what this team is or what it isn't, and then we can all draw conclusions. Like This is a conclusion game of what I think the rest of the season plays out, and they may still make a bowl or whatever the case may be, but that, that this is it. Yeah, our team could benefit so much from the confidence of a Duke win. That little bit of confidence that we could get from beating Duke that's why I think it's a package deal with Miami's because it it just changes the way we attack that game. And if this young team gets down on themselves by getting beaten by Duke by ten points or something, same exact thing. Like it's we need to reduce that fear that we all have and that we all feel in the stands and everything. We need confidence to eliminate it, and we can get that this weekend. And I, I really I hope the crowd is loud. I hope they show up. Um, if you are on the fence about going to the game, please go because if we're at 55, 60,000, make it much harder for Quentin Harris to play quarterback. It is a night game in lane. You can't hear anything on the field if you've got a good crowd. So go and be loud. I hope the weather's good. I hope we kick off the drive for 25 strong, like all that kind of stuff. It could be a great night for Virginia Tech. And I, I, I feel optimistic right now. And... Yes, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's that's everything. Uh, it, it's weird that we're doing this with Duke in football. Yeah. Like it'd be like, yeah, this could be a huge win, but it could be. It's a Cutcliffe team. I mean, he's he's good and he coaches well, and they got good players. So I I honestly I couldn't say it better. That's perfect. All right, that's gonna do it for the podcast. We're gonna let Robbie get back to vacation. Uh, and I'm going to get back to work. <laughs> Have fun with that. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, you can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Instagram, same thing. 2DVT.com is the website. And 2DVT at gmail.com is where you can send your emails. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, when hopefully we're feeling much better about our season prospects, go Hokies. Go Hokies.